Listening to Radio Free Signs of the Times, broadcasting into the heart of an occupied America. Welcome back to the next installment of our discussion on counterintelligence, black ops, psyops, and the 9/11 Truth Movement. We'll pick up where we left off. Yeah, well, getting back to the to the Kaminsky situation, as I said. Several months had gone by, and then he had these issues with rents. And up to that point, I hadn't said anything to him about rents at all, even though our research group had been digging information up about him since about January of the previous year. Yeah, of that year, January of 2005. And the reasons were, of course, that I'd been observing what rents did and did not publish and who was linking to rents and who was repeating rents and, uh, and so on. And I had started searching the, the Internet to find, you know, any kind of information I could, and there was, you know, precious little. So I, I wrote an email to John Kaminsky. This was in uh, December 2005. This was several months after the the incident where he didn't come and the incident with the Godlike Productions. And what I had noticed was that uh, Jesse at tvnewslies.org had put a put a notice up on his website that he needed help or he wasn't going to be able to keep his website afloat. Well, we had noticed that this was, you know, true of, of several other alternative researchers. And since at this point our book sales were doing so well, and it was our decision to put the book sale money back into helping other people. I thought, well, you know, now's the time that I can I can help other people in this way. And but I would really like to know where my money is going to be going. So if this Jesse is is a worthy recipient, um, you know, I will certainly see that, uh, that that we can make a foundation grant to him to help him out. So I wrote him an email, which I shared with John Kaminsky. And what I wrote to John Kaminsky was, this is an email I sent over a week ago. I have received no response at all. What I did notice was that within a few days of sending this email, Jeff Rents posted an article about how Rents.com is now being attacked by Zionists. Connection? I don't know, but based on what he is calling an attack, he has no idea how bad it can get. Jeff Rents, uh, the article was about... uh, uh, somebody left a, a text message or a phone message or called one of his uh, interviewees and you know said you you evil anti-Semitic person. In other words, it was it was essentially uh, just a report that somebody had said something nasty to him. There was no evidence of this, and certainly there were not two or three websites set up with the express purpose of defaming rents, which you know has been our experience. You know, ad hominem attacks that have nothing to do with our work. Let our work speak for itself. But in any event, I told John, since he had just revealed to me that Rents and Wiedner were close buddies and that Judy Andreas, his former girlfriend, was also part of this little clique, I thought that he needed to have this information. And I said, of course, you may ask why I even wrote the email. Well, I'm a sucker for anyone asking for help. We regularly send money to several news sites to keep them up and running. I don't even mind if they don't give us any reciprocal links. If their work is helpful to us, that's enough. 
I understand that a lot of what I write about is very fringe, so I don't expect people to handle more than they can at any given time. What follows is the forwarded message that I wrote to Jesse at TV News Lives Org, which says, Hi, I read your urgent message from the editor today, and I have a few thoughts and ideas and questions. We started our own website as early as 1995, though we didn't take the plunge and actually buy a domain and real web hosting until 1998. Prior to that, we just used free servers and the web space allotted to us by our Internet provider. But in 1998, we got serious because we had so many emails from readers asking us to do so. Like you, we supported our entire enterprise ourselves right up until 2001-2002. At that point, we had invested over $10,000 in the site, including the research materials that went into producing the material to respond to the readers' questions and concerns. And up to this point in time, we weren't even political, so to say. Nevertheless, because our work had political implications, the counterintelligence guys got cranking pretty early in the spring and summer of 2001. It seems to me that they were activated in a lot of ways against a lot of other folks at that time, as though someone knew that 9-11 was coming and some groundwork needed to be laid. After I began Signs of the Times in the spring of 2002, this activity ramped up to an unbelievable level. Our names and addresses were published on an ADL-supported discussion group with the suggestion that whoever lived in our area should take care of us in some unspecified way. Not long after, our dog was poisoned and died. Our eldest daughter was run off the road three times by an anonymous road rager, and the third time totaled her car. She was lucky not to have been killed. Our second daughter was poisoned at a party by an unknown older man who somehow managed to buy his way in amongst these young people by providing liquor. This is in a small town. She spent three days on life support, almost died, but fortunately she lived. I made up my mind that this kind of activity meant that I must be stepping on somebody's toes, and I certainly didn't want to stop doing that, but I had to consider the safety of my family. I should mention here that we certainly were able to localize the sources of many attacks, and our complaints to the Florida Department of Law Enforcement and the FBI were met with the advice, since you don't like being threatened and harassed, stop doing what you're doing, and the threats and harassment will stop. Now, this is the truth. We compiled, I mean, enormous dossiers on the individuals, the Vincent Bridges uh, and his gang, who were harassing us and defaming us and even hacking into members' computers, stealing their Internet time, uh, hacking into their, their personal accounts and so forth. One case is absolutely proven. You know, we can't prove anything else, but we can could, we could prove the one. And we sent this information to the FBI and the FDLE, and also the North Carolina Attorney General's office, and basically the answer they gave us is if you don't like being harassed by it like this, stop what you're doing, which pretty much told us that they were condoning that activity because it got them what they wanted, which was for us to shut up. Now, I've got these this documentary evidence, so you know I'm not just blowing smoke here. So when we pointed out that what was being done to us crossed the boundaries of legality, we were told we have enough to do after 9-11 and no staff get a lawyer. So I went on and I explained to this Jesse, etc., you know, saying that we have certainly learned a lot about surviving and having been among the first of the alternative sites to have been subjected to out-and-out attacks, attempts to subvert, co-opt, and so on. In every case, we have managed to see through the games in time, though I will admit that it has been close in a couple of instances. 
And then I explain that we decided to take the approach of identifying problems and finding solutions specifically related to being able to keep our work going in the most effective way possible. I think that some of these solutions would help others, though we are not willing to publish them because if you give your strategy away to the other side, they will then trump you. I continued to explain for him. I says, for example, consider the Pentagon strike video. It was really a surprise to us that this thing went global in about two weeks. At last count, over half a billion people had viewed it. It obviously stepped on some sore toes, witnessed the Washington Post, popular mechanics, and scientific American responses to conspiracy theories, which they hadn't even bothered to dignify until that happened. We also pay close attention to who does and does not link to our site. Leaving aside the issues that we deal with that may be considered fringe, the fact is we have an ever-growing audience, we are consistent, reliable, and generally on target, and we are on the same political path, so to say, as all the other alternative researchers one would think. You would think that other alternative sites would consider that to be the only criteria, but apparently not. It seems that there is some kind of rule handed down from somewhere, do not link to signs of the times. And this is this is true over and over again. Our stories, our articles, our you know, our material has been ripped off, republished without a reciprocal link, without you know, without even a word sometimes as to who wrote it, where it came from. So I continued writing. Why do we connect these things together, even though Popular Mechanics and Scientific American did not specifically mention our site? They did this obviously because they don't want anyone to visit it because people tend to be converted when they do. So here's the timeline. The Pentagon strike video came out on August 23rd. Probably nobody really noticed it at that moment, but it hit a chord of response in the hearts of millions of people. They began to madly download and forward it to their friends and relatives. It appeared on rents for a few hours until someone there realized that there is a link to our site in the video. Then it was rapidly relegated to the archives. It was rehabilitated for exactly one day some months later when I mentioned this fact on our website in an article, but then again it was rapidly moved down to the archives. It even landed in the mailbox of the editor of the Washington Post. On September 21st, I received the first contact from Carol Morello of the Washington Post who wanted to interview me. On October the 7th, Washington Post produced an article about us after this interview. What really gave us the creeps at that point was knowing that if they hadn't seen it before, certainly George and Dick and, and Rumsfeld and the gang were watching the Pentagon strike video after the Washington Post wrote an article about it. Twelve days later, on October 19th, George Bush visited Newport Ritchie, my old hometown in the U.S. He even shook hands with my daughter's ex-boyfriend, who excitedly wrote us an email about it. Hmm, how did he know that? Why did George decide to make a previously unscheduled campaign stop in my little hometown in Florida right after the Post article came out? Coincidence? My initial feeling was that his visit to my hometown, certainly of no importance on the campaign trail and previously unscheduled, was deliberately done to send an intimidating message to me. As to what Carol Morello of the Washington Post wrote to me privately, here is the pertinent passage. She wrote, a couple of editors here saw the video, and I was asked to find out what I could about it. As you can imagine, we continue to have an intense interest on the attack on the Pentagon and the people who were affected. I've just begun reporting, so it would be premature to tell you what perspective my story would have. My initial impressions are that the questions and theories expressed in the video 
got a spurt of attention in early 2002 after the publishing of a best-selling book in France, which was Terry Maison's book. And then the furor died down for a while. And now it has reemerged with the extraordinarily wide dissemination of this video on the Internet. So basically, Carol Morello was telling me that we were single-handedly responsible for reawakening the interest in this particular conspiracy theory. And keep in mind, no other so-called conspiracy theory about 9-11 was ever responded to officially because they weren't dangerous. This one, however, had to be responded to with Popular Mechanics, Washington Post, Scientific American. What was the other one? There was, there was another one. So anyway, Carol Morello continued in her email, The 9-11 Commission report appears to have done little to dampen the controversy. I hope to speak to you about how and why you posted it on your website, what kind of response you've received, and what you think about it. I'm also planning to speak to some academics and groups representing survivors and families from 9-11, and I was wondering if you had any idea who put the video together and how I might contact him or her. Well, obviously, since we were... We in our group, Darren Williams, the creator of The Flash, were pretty much responsible for all of the ideas and the assembling of the information. Uh, I decided to take the hit. So I continued to write to Jessie. Notice that she attributes the resurgence of interest in Pentagate to the Pentagon strike video. Can we say damage control? And if there is damage control, that means there is damage. And that's something all of y'all really need to keep in mind. They only respond to something in certain ways if there is damage. And sometimes, in this particular case, they had to respond to it directly because it was so damaging. Hundreds of millions of people, literally, were watching this little video. I mean, as long as 9-11 conspiracies were kept under wraps with the alternative news crowd on the Internet, and they you know, basically had, relatively speaking, small readership, they were keeping things under control. They promoted the conspiracy theories that, that were okay, the ones that uh, they could just completely ignore, such as, you know, ridiculous things about pods and, and holographic planes and so on and so forth. But when something came along, and notice that the Pentagon strike video did not in any way suggest any answers. It only asked questions. It only stated the facts. This was an extremely dangerous thing, and they came out to do damage control. So another interesting event in this timeline was the creation of a website with the domain name Oil Empire US. This site lists what it calls bogus 9-11 websites, saying the three biggest stories used to alienate the public from 9-11 truth is number one, no planes on 9-11, Pentagon, North Tower, Pod Plane at South Tower, etc. Two, the Jews did it. Israel had foreknowledge and possibly played a role. Three, the victims' phone calls were faked. Why are there bogus 9-11 websites? A mix of malice and incompetence, but both make real evidence harder to find. So the problem with that is, this oil empire, is that considering the very good case for the involvement of Mossad in 9-11 and the very good case that the victims' phone calls were faked, not to mention that I have discovered that there are possibly satellite photos taken on 9-11 by other national interests, it sure does look like the Oil Empire website is a plant, so to say. I'd say it's a good bet. I'd say it's a real good bet, yeah. Joe, would you say it's a good bet? 
Well, the thing about uh, the oil empire, that US website, is that the owner, Mark Rabinowitz, registered it in February 2003, which in itself is kind of suspicious, coming kind of, you know, just a couple of years after 9-11. And, uh, right at the time of the in- invasion, invasion of Iraq. Invasion of Iraq. Yes. And, uh, February yeah. 2003 was when millions of people were taking to the streets yes. prior to yeah. the invasion. And, yeah. and it's almost as though they were setting up the, the plan to, to do the whole peak oil well, this Stand. is this, yeah. This is exactly this is this is really a good example of uh, what they term a limited hangout. You know, where they um, we have websites like this set up uh, as as apparently conspiracy websites to provide a little bit of conspiracy for the people who are who don't mm-hmm. believe uh, the sane people who don't believe the official version that uh, you know the American uh, government was in, was was in Iraq to liberate it and bring democracy and freedom. People who don't buy that because it's very obvious that that's just. Uh, Complete nonsense. So websites like like Oil Empire dot US uh, come out and they come up with this theory that um, you know this is a war for oil. This is this isn't about liberation. It's about oil. Uh, um, America is trying to you know steal Iraq's oil, but the reason they're doing it is because um, we're running out of oil. We're running out of oil. Very subtly, the message is there to you know particularly to Americans or particularly people in the West uh, that you know okay, it's a, it's a necessary evil in a way. Mm-hmm. They're lying to us about why they're there, but they have our best interests at heart. They're just trying to secure the oil from Iraq so that we can all continue to live in the in the custom and we saw the sleazy, in the way we've been accustomed. We saw the sleazy way that Mike Rupert dealt with that whole topic, yeah. where I mean, he Mike began R- with the the great "I am the the one and the only 9/11 researcher," mm-hmm. and before long, it was no even at, at 9/11 conferences he would go and he would insist that he wanted to talk about peak oil because that was the real issue so sweep aside let the the criminals get away with the crime let's let's talk about magic bullets you know let's forget that you know our president is laying dead with you know bullet holes in his brain yeah so this guy rabinowitz he was posting on newsnet as far back as 94 He's been into the kind of green kind of energy and the need to uh, move away from dependency on oil, which is something that the neocons have been uh, promoting very strongly in the past few years. Um, they've all turned into you know, green party members. Rabinowitz was posting on about a, a car-free uh, Washington, D.C. He then did some reporting for the Institute of Global Communications, which is based in Maryland. He then moved to Eugene, Oregon, by the looks of things, and is into permaculture. There's a lot of strange people living in Eugene and Medford and so forth, among them being Jay Wiedner and Jeff France. So Rabinowitz at the minute uh, with his oilempire.us is into, he's in bed essentially, uh, figuratively, with um, Mike Rupert. And that's actually that, you know, there's a little story behind that because there's some stuff about Mike Rupert uh, and his his sleaziness and his... uh, Penchant for uh, stripping down to his undies in his office, but anyway, you want to say something about that about uh, the psychology yeah, I of Mike Rupert? Uh, yeah, I got a confidential email recently that uh, uh, that somebody who worked for Mike Rupert uh, r- reports that during their period of employment, he was putting moves on female staff and stripping down to his skivvies and running around the office late at night when he was working in his undies and. Basically, I guess to see how how these female employees were going to react to this, and also that he made an admission to a particular employee that he was uh, heavily into pornography, and would she like to have him make her a DVD of his favorite porn shots and porn, you know, porn 
porn clips from movies, which I suppose was going to be a a series of the most intense scenes from any given porn movie, which links us back, of course, to those people behind Godlike Productions who were totally into porn and, and pedophilia, etc., but we'll come back to that at some point on another on another discussion right now. Yeah, that's just um, it's just an aside that's just hearsay. Here. Uh, that's but, just hearsay. But like uh, all of our hearsay that that we deem uh, appropriate to you know speak about publicly, we're going to say it to you fa- so you can hear it. Yeah, <laughs> that makes it hearsay. No, but it's it's factual hearsay. Yeah, it's factual <laughs> hearsay. The For source the- is good. It's just that we can't uh, we can't tell you any more than that right now. For those of you who'd like to know more about the peak oil scam, we strongly recommend going to Dave McGowan's website and looking at his series of articles where he destroys pretty well uh, the Mike Rupert peak oil argument. And, and then you can also read Joe's article on, on Mike Rupert uh, and the peak oil scam. Daniel, on Daniel Hopsicker and stuff, yeah. Yeah, Daniel Hopsicker right. because it's it's a pretty good damn synopsis of the whole thing. I want to say something about Daniel Hopsicker. He is um, very clearly working for the U.S. government, mainly because of all the information he gets from the CIA about their very real uh, drug running into uh, Florida. Uh, but for Daniel Hopsicker, everything else is relevant. All it's all about drugs. It's all about drug running. And it's about Saudi Arabia. Everything about 9-11 is to try to implicate the so-called hijackers with Saudi Arabia and with the Bush family and their links with Saudi Arabia, much like Michael Moore did in his film Fahrenheit 9-11. Yeah. That's just a little bit on, on the peak oil business, but from there, you this was your email uh, that you mentioned this, this, these details yeah, in your I was email to TV News Lies. Yeah, I was writing this TV News Lies, and, and at the time I had sent it over a week prior and hadn't got an answer. Let me report at this point in time that that was in December of 2005. This is now uh, June of 2006. I have still not received a response from Jesse at tvnewslies.org. But let me finish what I wrote to him after I had mentioned these things. So I said... I guess my real questions are related to your appeal for help, which we most definitely understand. We would like to help. We would like to help a lot of people and help to create a truly effective network that could make a real difference in this world. But we have learned by hard experience that there is so much distraction, diversion, counterintelligence, and just plain lies told by psychopaths out there that one has to get a feel for other websites and their creators based on on observing them over time and their work, seeing what they do and do not publish, how they publish it, and so on. I know you, I can't ask you to reassure me that you are who you say you are and that your intentions are what you say they are. The bottom line is we will be getting the Foundation website launched, even though the Foundation has existed for several years now, growing slowly and silently in the background. And I want to suggest that you might be eligible for a grant to support your work. Let me know if something like that might be welcome. Thanks for taking the time to read this, sincerely. Well, the fact that uh, six months afterwards you haven't heard from him and the fact that there is a somewhat tenuous link with events that happened on the Jeff Rents website shortly after this mail was sent to him would indicate that... uh, that, he, that they are also in cahoots. Well, the thing is, I have sent similar emails to several other alternative news websites, basically uh, offering them our assistance. And when I say this, you know, I mean, I, I'm really sincere that what we do is we have been building up our book sales. We we have uh, we have uh, donations, of course, but 
donations have become the smallest part of, a, of, of the funds that we raise to do our work. The largest part is our book sales. And instead of going off and living high on the hog, we turn that money back into trying to help other people, trying to give support to other researchers and other writers. If we can find some honest ones. If we can find some honest ones. And I'm telling you right now, the unfortunate thing is, is that the number of honest, sincere researchers who haven't been co-opted that are out there on the Internet, I can count on the finger of my hands and have fingers left over. can be counted by a camel on its, uh, on its hump, on its leg. Yeah. On the fingers of a camel. The next thing that happened, of course, was that uh, Jeff Rent suddenly acquired his own personal attacker, known as Daryl Bradford Smith, who claims to be the Black Mamba of the 9-11 Truth Movement. And Daryl Bradford Smith went on the attack against Jeff Rents and said, you know, this is a real obvious plant, and he's an obvious plant because he also talks about UFOs. We'll talk about... Talk about a really weak Con- argument. And confusing the issues, of course, because, I mean, Jeff Rentz's interest or publishing of articles about UFOs and so on and so forth, it has nothing to do with his possible relationship to counterintelligence. I mean, that is it's not just a weak argument, it's a straw man argument, something that's you know, completely, you know, you build it up so you can knock it, you create it so you can knock it down. So at this point, I wrote an email to John Kaminsky about Daryl Bradford Smith. And I said, this guy appeared out of nowhere, as far as we can tell, in February of 2005. He is suddenly able to get more or less high-profile interviewees on his show right away. What's up with that? He gets all kinds of promotion from places like Godlike Productions, and we already know about Godlike Productions. And some other strange people. But when you listen to his shows, they are mostly just pot-stirring. And if you've ever listened to Daryl Bradford Smith's shows, I mean, it is not only pot-stirring, the man is abysmally ignorant. I mean, he is, he is ignorant to the point of being embarrassing. Now, what I did write to John Kaminsky was, based on what I know to be true, if he is doing these shows in France, if he is doing these interviews, he is breaking the law. Because there are laws against things that Daryl Bradford Smith has said on his shows in France. And Daryl Bradford Smith, of course, was claiming that he lived in France, which is very unusual because we do, in fact, live in France. Another interesting thing was that Daryl Bradford Smith had a series of articles called The French Connection. I, too, had a series of articles called The French Connection. My series of articles called The French Connection are no longer on the website because I was informed by, shall we say, certain officials in the in the French higher echelon, and I'm not naming names here, that life would be a lot easier for me in France if those articles were to disappear. And considering the fact that there was a certain kind of pressure, shall we say, exerted in certain directions, those articles came down. So here he's got a series of articles called The French Connection. He claims to live in France, and he's doing these shows about Holocaust revisionism and so forth. So I found out that his domain was registered on February 8th, a few days after our researchers began a particular project, which was researching Jeff Rents. Then, less than two weeks later, Jay Wiener launched his attack on our webmaster, as I chronicled on our website, which, you know, you will be able to get the link to that uh, on the links that are provided with this discussion. 
and I wrote, of course that could be coincidental, but certainly it is true that immediately after Renz had me on his show about my article, Mossad and Moving Companies, Jay Reedner registered Cassiopeia.net. I talked about that fact in a couple of articles, so it is not likely that they would make the same mistake again, but rather would allow a certain delay. In any event, I had the feeling when Rents invited me on his show and then published the defamatory piece by Wiener at the same time that there was a particular agenda. I had the strong feeling that it was his intent to draw me out on the issue of Mossad and Zionists. Well, I refused to be drawn. So uh, then I wrote, So then there is Daryl Bradford Smith's use of the French connection and the fact that he is doing what he is doing from France, or so he says. If he is, after listening to a couple of his shows, it is evident that he is breaking the law. Anybody who is involved with him talks to him on his radio show on a phone line in France. A show put together in France may very well be subject to problems down the road. All of these funny confluences combined with his ignorant rant about anybody who talks about UFOs ought not to be in the 9-11 research field. That just set the warning bells ringing like mad. What also made me wonder was his coming out with his rant about disinformation artists. Now, yes, I've been writing about this for quite some time, having been victimized by it directly and in front of thousands of witnesses. And it was only after I started writing about it in the way that I did that quite a few other folks got on the bandwagon. But it's rather like Rince coming up with his The Jews Are Attacking Me nonsense and Rince is on the government list of disinformation sites only after I started investigating and digging up some facts. Seems rather like damage control to me. Especially if you consider his relationship with Zionist supporter Henry Winkler. It's all show. So it just goes on and I, I wrote, you know, it was rather lengthy email so I'm not going to read the whole thing here. And then John Kaminsky wrote back about, about this Daryl Bradford Smith. He said, he says he lives in Poitiers, and he has done nothing but flatter me for most of the year. Sometimes it's embarrassing. The other night he threatened to take me down if I continued my association with rents. So I will probably do more interviews with Daryl. So at this point, John hadn't completely broken off with rents, and this was still in December of 2005. So then he wrote me another one back, uh, and I had written to him. I said, I just read Daryl Bradford Smith's article on John Carlson. Would have liked to have seen more facts about Carlson and less ranting. However, I can certainly understand a tendency to rant now and again out of sheer frustration. We think it's dangerous to fall into a it's either black or white judgment mode because that is what they do and what they promote. In a sense, it's the difference between good versus evil via strict laws and no justice of the psychopathic way, as opposed to the more natural and human law of three, which posits that there is good and there is evil and there is a specific situation that determines which is which. Now, I'm not going to write anything about this publicly, because I think that those who have some real clues about this thing ought to support each other, even if they don't agree on everything. As I told you on the phone, I know that the majority of people can't deal with the concepts of hyperdimensional manipulations... And so I was very glad to get the ponderology material because that brings it home to 3D. Nevertheless, there are many surpassingly strange things on this planet, and we need to have theories and explanations that accommodate those things, or we are no better than the Catholic Church. So, anyhow, I took apart Daryl Bradford Smith's article in my email to John Kaminsky, and I've reproduce that in an article on our website, so I'm not going to read that here. The point is, is that what John Kaminsky told me at the beginning of this email in response to what I was writing was that 
Daryl is telling us that he has commandeered the 9-11 skeptic movement. On the phone, he said it was my movement. I have to say, he's wigging out. Now, with his public dissing of me, it seems he has reversed his field twice in the same week. I guess I should be flattered that people are saying all these things about me when I'm not even writing much at the moment. But really, I don't pay any attention to it all. After having been through this same thing before with Victor Thorne and Fenton Dunn, conclusion, radio guys are irrelevant to practically everything. And the unfortunate thing is is that John Kaminsky was set up to to have this attitude towards uh, Victor Thorne and possibly Fenton Dunn. I don't know much about Fenton Dunn. You guys know anything about him? Oh, yeah. Fenton Dunn's the one who says that uh, if you say that it's Israel and if you try to say that it's anything more than an internal U.S. thing, then you're COINTELPRO. So that means that he is definitely COINTELPRO. Uh, yeah. All right. So much for Fenton Dunn. He's just a bit of a flake, you know. Um, he, he's... He's well, aside very, from the, from the cheesiness of his website. Yeah, but he, he he does a lot of radio interviews as well, and he's into kind of a lot of cheesy stuff, you know. And um, We I came know, out he, last he, year with a list of disinfo sites, and it was all based on, on essentially their approach to the question of Israel and 9-11. So he was kind of backing up this uh, oil empire thing? Uh, or I don't know if he goes into that or not, but um, he's kind of irrelevant. Yeah, well, so the whole thing is, the bottom line of this little recitation about uh, this interaction with John Kaminsky, and of course, you know, there there are other things that have gone on with John, but you know, the one thing I can say is, is that John Kaminsky is a sincere, passionate human being. Uh, he has certainly been operated on, shall we say, by operators, but his heart is in the right place, and I am confident of that. Uh, I think that he's probably profiled in terms of his uh, strong, his emotional, strong emotional. emotional writings. Yeah, that that's how they get to him. They use his emotions to, to manipulate him and jerk him around like a puppet. So, you know, I hope, John, if you're listening to this, that you understand that, uh, you know, we still know and understand who you are and what you are and that what's you mean been done well, to you. and what's been done to you, and the offer is still open. Anytime you want to come over and cool your jets and and detoxify yourself from the atmosphere over there, you know you're welcome to come. Oh, and that reminds me, we did try to contact Daryl Bradford Smith here in France, and it seems that you know unless evidence comes forward. Proving otherwise, Daryl Bradford Smith doesn't live in France. The phone number that he gives for his uh, operation here in France is a non-assigned number. I mean, that means it's uh, it's nobody's number. It means that if he was here, he ain't here anymore. Well, I mean, the number he gave might have been just bogus, you know. Um, I listened to one of his shows, and he was talking about, uh, he started off talking about the weather. Interestingly enough, and he and it was a time when we were having uh, you know, we've had a lot of bad weather at the beginning of the summer here, and he was mentioning that he didn't you know, he claims he's in France and stuff, but he had an accurate portrayal of the weather in France. Well, it's interesting that the phone number we had was near Lyon, and that Kaminsky said that he lived near Poitiers, which is in a different region. Yeah, so it's it's kind of a curious thing, but. Uh, 
you know, the problem is, is that all of these people, they come along and they, they use fake names or they use fake addresses. You know, they don't, you know, they don't talk about who they are, where they are, you know, and these are all things that anybody can find out about us. Unfortunately, that's true because then they find it out and they post our name and addresses on websites and invite, you know, people to come and take us out or, or do direful deeds to us. But, you know, we don't see any, any reason to begin concealing who we are and what we are and where we are. It's um, A lot of people, a lot of our readers have, have uh, written about various things. But one of the things that um, people have said very often about us, just people who come across the website for the first time, is that they get an impression that we're upfront and we're honest. And you can't fake that. You know, no. because I mean, you can fool people and stuff, but you know, generally, if you fool people, you'll they'll, they'll tend to uh, like buy into you kind of wholeheartedly, and they'll become a fan. You know, a, a fanatic almost. You know, we don't uh, want fanatics, but but we don't get that. You know, we get people who come along and say, you know, I like your stuff. I like their, you know, you seem you seem honest, and and there's a more measured kind of response from people to our stuff. You know, um, and that's because we are straight up in everything that we say, um, and you know, we can only keep saying that. Well, leading up to uh, there is there is still some more improving infor- it. Yes, there is still some more information about rents, but we're going to save that for next week, and we're going to have an interview with Lisa Giuliani of Wing TV because she has done an extraordinary job digging up some background on Jeff Rents. Good work, Lisa. Yeah, yay, Lisa. And the interesting thing is that what she discovered about Jeff Rents uh, basically puts him in the same type of profile as Vincent Bridges. Now, those of you who haven't already read our report on uh, good old Vinny and his, uh, you know, his fake bio and all of his fake credentials and his fake stories about his fake life, when uh, you know, I do have a an email, a confidential email, I can't publish it, from an individual who knows that good old Vinny spent a goodly portion of his life in a mental hospital. Essentially, Jeff Rince's profile is starting to look like Vinny Bridges, you know, a complete fake, psychopathic liar. And I'm going to let Lisa tell you all about it next week because we're going to really talk some trash and you're going to hear... You're going to hear some fun things next week. So The lowdown. The, the real dig lowdown. The dirt. Dig it, we're going to dig up some dirt. So y'all tune in next week for this expose. Okay, so we're going to leave it there for this week. Um, leaving you all on tender hooks for our big expose next week with uh, Lisa Giuliani from Wing TV. And uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. And for more information, come to our website, www.signs-of-the-times.org.